All right, guys, welcome to the podcast. We're going to start the, off everything. This is normally the spot where we do the charity and the sponsorship, but since, again, we're waiting for sponsors, please contact us. We're just going to go right into our charity of choice. This week, we're going to highlight Ohio Fish Rescue. Ohio Fish Rescue is a charity that started um, out of you know good and kindness of fish keepers like you and me, Jim's heart, where they saw people you know, just dumping fish, uh, flushing them down their toilet. When they're done with them, they're throwing away pets, essentially. There's no humane society set up for fish, so they decided to be one of the first people to set it up, at least in their area. And they have expanded amazing amounts, tenfold. And they're very well known for large fish. These people will get fish such as alligator gar, some crazy Amazon catfish, fish that grow you know, excess of five feet. And they'll decide that their 20-gallon tank is good enough for it. And when it grows too big, what do they do? Well, you get rid of it. And instead of doing that, Ohio Fish Rescue has facilities that they keep growing and growing to make sure they have places for these fish to be. They make sure they go to zoos. They make sure they go to uh, pet stores. They make sure to take care of the fish and find them a home. So... They do this, again, they're located in Ohio, but they've done this for people across the nation. If they want to ship them the fish somehow or have someone uh, deliver them, they do a lot of charitable work making sure that our rejected fish are taken care of. And we really encourage you to go to their website, ohiofishrescue.com, and consider you know, maybe buying a t-shirt, giving them a couple bucks, or at least letting them know, hey, I really appreciate what you do because you know sometimes money... Uh, you don't have the money, but they just need to know that you, you're listening, you care, and you're supporting them. A, th- a thank you goes a long, long ways. It really does. So just to uh, you know, up the ante, um, their number is 216-773-0407. And I'm pretty sure you know we don't have permission to give out their number, but it is on their website. So here we go. Give them a call. Just say, hey, guys, thanks for what you're doing. Have a great day. Keep it up. And just, that's it. Even better than that, give them a couple of bucks. There's a link on their, is it the Facebook or, or website? Right? Uh, they have it on their website. And again, they have PayPal donation, Patreon, if you want to subscribe to their uh, you know monthly charity and donate as a sponsor of Ohio Fish Rescue. Or they do have a uh, um, GoFundMe page. Fantastic. They're, they're great guys. They're doing the right thing. And we need to support everybody in this hobby that does the right thing it's uh only helps grow our hobby and kudos to ohio fish rescue thanks again and let's start the show welcome to the aquarium guys podcast with your hosts jim colby and rob zolson all right guys Welcome to the Aquarium Guys podcast. We are happy to kick off episode two. I have my co-host, Jim. How are you today? I am rocking. I love that new intro that we got. We uh, actually recorded the first episode before we uh, had the name, site, and all the details locked down, so we've been very busy this week. Very, very busy. Rob's has been working his butt off. I've gotten skinnier sitting down and doing nerd things. Who knew? 
Who knew you could do that? So we have our website, aquariumguyspodcast.com. We have the RSS feed up. You can certainly subscribe right from our website. Otherwise, we are pushing this out to absolutely every single podcast store that is available. We are in Google uh, Google Play. We are in Spotify. We're on Stitcher. We're on a pile. Apple is uh, submitted. We should have that in the next couple days. So certainly go to the website, find those, and share this with your friends. But above all else, make sure you're subscribed. This is a podcast that we're not necessarily doing on a routine schedule. We're certainly going to do our best to stay on schedule. But we may have extra podcasts between our normal scheduled hours. So to get information of when that is, subscribe and make sure it notifies your phone. And if there's something that you want us to talk about, send that to us also in an email or a phone call to our website. So we just set up a hotline for all of our listeners to call in and ask us questions directly to us. And it could be, you know, how much more than $8,000 did you lose, Jimmy? Uh, you know what? We'll save that for an entire, you know, week-long podcast. Maybe. Oh, oh. You got, see, that's why you got to call in. Otherwise, he won't cough up any more information. I'll, I'll have to ask my accountant, but uh, I'm pretty sure it was more than 8000 But, you know, it's been brought up quite a bit that uh, Jim... Jim, you really sucked that first year. And yes, I did. And, and there's other years I also sucked. So, you know, follow us up and, and we will keep on telling you uh, uh, stories of the past, stories of the future of uh, what we're up to. And just so you know the information, call us at 218-214-9214. We did not decide to purchase a 100 number because that costs money. Money. This is, this is we're trying to do this as on budget, guys. I lost money. So, yeah, we exactly. don't have no money. So leave us a voicemail, and again, by doing that, we have your permission to put it on air, because if we can't share it with the audience, what's the point of answering your question? That is correct. So today, Jimmy, what are we diving into? Today, one of our favorite things, one of the first things that people uh, usually buy when they get their aquarium, we're, today we're going to talk about live bears. So when we dive into live bears, last week we talked about guppies and your first experience, and I think that really kicked this conversation off. And... Live bears, by their nature, by their name, most fish procreate and produce eggs. Correct. These literally birth live young. Correct. And that's what makes them unique. And also, normally, if you don't have some, you know, 70s fungus on your fish, easy to breed. Absolutely. These fish are a wonderful, wonderful first-time fish, especially if you have children. Because all of a sudden, you've got 30 baby fish in that tank, and your kids can't keep their eyes off that tank. They want to feed that tank all day long. And all of a sudden, you go in from having six fish into there, now you've got 36 fish. It, uh, it works pretty well. And it's not just, you know, they're breeding because they're easy to breed for any, anybody to do, but also because they stay a nice small size, they're colorful, and they're super hardy overall. Yes, there are so many varieties of different live bears. Every live bear, there's a there's probably 15 to 30 colors that you can get and constantly the numbers are be or the uh, the colors are being worked on by all kinds of breeders across the world. So uh, again, Jimmy and I have been uh, um, wholesaling fish for a while and just the lists we get from a lot of different places that farm them. We've talked about Florida before. That's again the hot spot where you can farm and get fish. The lists that we see of names of these fish it's not just it's a guppy but we have what 37 different choices from different vendors to choose from tuxedo guppies cobra all kinds of different ones 
Yes, and every every uh, guppy breed out there has its own color, its own name. But what's kind of confusing is what somebody might call a sunburst platy might be a yellow platy from a different breeder. So there's not a lot of consistency, and this started a long time ago, again, when this, this hobby exploded, is they had some scientific names. It, it's not really easy to use scientific names in a pet store. So they didn't ask the vendor to you know, tell me, well, what do I call these? They just came up with them on the spot. That's yellow. I'm going to make up some cool, fun name. So there's some that, again, like a sunburst platy is kind of like that yellow-red hue splashed across the fish. So there's some standards, but no, by no means do the same farmers ever use the same colored name. So if you're getting a platy, they'll make some names, and you're hoping they're going to have a picture for you to get an idea. That is that is the best way that uh, when I purchase these different types of platies, guppies, swords, it's nice to be able to have a reference to look at because some of these names are outrageous that they come up with. And, and then you order them up. You spend a couple hundred dollars on a bag of fish because they're packed 300 uh, when I wholesale them. And you get in and you go, oh, this is just a plain old red tuxedo platy, but it's got a different name now. So that plain old red tuxedo platy may be, you know, assumed that it's a red black platy, but some other vendor could call it a candy cane or Santa Claus platy because it's red white. Yeah, you never know. Every it's it's just like discus. Uh, when you're looking online at discus, there is a probably ten, twelve different types of names for just a yellow discus. And it's actually a bit worse because you have some standards with discus. Because even if they come up with crazy color names, they'll still have pattern association like snakeskin. That's pretty well established for discus. Everybody knows what a snakeskin pattern is, but guppies is not the same way. No, and then also with, with like the discus, you'll have a yellow discus, but some of them might have a red eye, and they'll call it something completely different. Right. So going down the quick list, and again, we're not going to go ev over every live bear. We're going to go over a generalization, and this is one category to kind of generalize what live bears do for you. We'll probably do another podcast on some of these species later, but again, on the list, guppies. That's uh, A number one for most people in the hobby. They're, they're fun. They're colorful. They have nice, big fins. Um, platy. Or uh, I always say Veritas. You schooled me on the name. Veriatus. So we're going to get to that. I'm going to pause on that one. I have so many comments for, for the Veriatus and Platy. But uh, next on the list is Mollies, Swordtails, Mosquito Fish, and then I even have some oddballs to throw in there at the end of the show. I'm waiting for that. It's going to be good. So to dive in, again, with all of these, how do we say, we call them bread and butter stock in the fish industry because if you have a pet store, you have to have the set of live bearers. If you don't have live bearers, you're risking a lot of those intro fish keepers or even, uh, you know, casual breeders. Yeah, they're the, the most likely, when we say bread and butter fish, as an example, they're usually the, the, the number one, two, three, four, and five sellers of a pet store. It's hard to have a pet store, not have an angel fish, not have a guppy, not have a molly. And not have a neon tetra. Correct. So, again, when we're talking about these, we'll, we'll try to generalize them. So all of these fish, within reason, have varied temperatures. So you can have a guppy anywhere from 72 to 80. Yep. The other thing uh, with the live bears is when they are imported or, or exported, they come from different salinities also. And so when you're worried about the temperature, you're also worried about the salinity that they're coming into. And right now... I just wanted to say, if you're bringing in Sri Lanka guppies, if the pet store says these are Sri Lanka guppies, these are be kept in a little brackish water, which is with more salt. You can wean them off the salt 
But when you first get them in, you should put a little bit of salt. Salt is good for mollies, guppies, all those libraries for the most part. It's a little bit of salt. And if your tank can tolerate it, you should use a little salt anyway. It's fantastic to use, especially if you're um, going to be purchasing fish on a regular basis or adding one or two every now and again to a community tank. You know, always quarantine, but don't be afraid of using salt on a regular basis if you can. You know, every good pet store sells the box of salt for a couple of bucks. When you start using a lot of salt, you can actually go to a 40-pound bag of the salt that you buy for your water softener for your home. So just so you guys get the correct uh, correct salt, when you go to a grocery store, you typically see like three, four kinds. It's always the extra coarse, and make sure it doesn't say anything about rust uh, rust product, just the generic you know, coarse ground salt with no extra additives because you'll have like rust buster, I think is the brand names they call them and stuff like that. You don't want any of those additives, just straight extra coarse salt for your softener. Yeah, just to give you an idea, it, it's the, the salt that looks just like gravel. If you put it in your hand, it's like gravel. You don't ever want to use any of the salt pellets. And the reason that is, is salt pellets are held together by water-soluble glue. And that glue will mess you up big time. It's not even good for your softener to be heard. No. Um, when we put our water softener in 20-some-odd years ago, I asked the guy that installed it, and he says, the only thing I would put in here is the salt that is, looks like gravel. Which What do you call that, Rob? The extra course. Extra course. Yep. He said, if you put in the pellets, no matter what brand it is, and it could be could be your, your name brand, it could be your, your local uh, local brands. They are held together by water-soluble glue, and that glue will gum up your machine, and it will kill your machine. That, and I've actually seen pet store owners, they'll actually have a bag of their own, and they'll individually box up and bag to sell aquarium salt for cheaper in their store than they can purchase. Just, it's their brand at your own risk, and they will, they'll certainly provide that to you. Yeah, and it will save you a buck or two, which then you can take and... and Buy another fish. Always. So, again, diving into these uh, the species. So, again, 72 to 80. And they're they're normally very hardy, besides these, you know, horrible funguses we talked about in the last episode. Yeah, that was we, – we got a lot of flack from that. But uh, you know what? That's because it's not really seen all that much. But when, when you do see the Singapore slough, it makes you cringe. You know, I hope we never see it again. But uh, – so we can dive right into to guppies. And, again, a lot of these share the same breeding patterns. Um We'll tell you when they change. So just diving right into breeding. Live bears, how you sex them is they have their, uh, I always call it fish penis. You can see the males versus the females. The females will actually have the bottom fin extended where the males will have that lack of fin and you'll see a stick. It's a gonopodium. Yep. I might be saying that wrong, but it's... I think they nailed it actually. Yeah, it's a gonopodium. So, I mean, picture the president of the United States standing in front of this podium. That gives you an idea. That's, you know... Word references. Yeah, think about it. So the, the issues that we see with people buying them is males, especially guppies, males are the ones that have the color. Yeah. Females used to have color back in the day, but now, again, they're, they're a lot darker, and they're never going to be as colorful, even if you do find one with color. So generally sex your, uh, your guppies, but the problem is is people go to, well, much close now, but people go to a pet store, and they'll buy guppies, and they'll get all males and maybe a couple females. Yep. Worst thing to do ever. Nope. Gets to be ugly. So 
imagine you have in, in real life, you know, a bunch of drunk people in a bar, two hot chicks walk in, and you're you're seeing this like movie plot play out. They're just getting harassed. Everybody buys them a drink. They won't leave them alone. That's the same thing in your aquarium. If you have ten males to two females, they will harass them and stress them out to the point of killing them. That is terrible. The uh, the thing we like to do a lot of people like a, a two to one ratio at least. At least two females for one male. And for smaller tanks, I'll even go uh, worse, one male to three females. Yeah. If you're doing like a, because these tank, uh, these fish are, can be, uh, guppies can be perfectly fine, four fish in a 10 gallon. That certainly works because guppies are a lot smaller than they used to be. And uh, yeah, three females to one, one male. Otherwise, what you've been doing, Jim, as I've seen when you got these Sri, uh, Sri Lanka guppies in, is unless stores ask, you won't even sell them females. No, um, here's part of the problem that we're having from some of the overseas producers is they're somehow chemically sterilizing the females. And you can bring in 150 females, the males will hit them all day long, and maybe you'll get six babies. And they'll crap out. Yeah, it's just amazing. I don't know what they're doing, but what they're doing is they're making sure that they have somebody to sell to. They don't want anybody else breeding them. So I've done research on this on the internet, and I've also messaged some people that I know that live overseas, and no company will admit to it, but again, this is overseas uh, companies, so they're generally farm conglomerates, and they'll literally radiate them for a short period of time, literally put them underneath gamma radiation like an x-ray machine, radiate them slightly so they go sterile, but not enough to kill them. Yeah, and it's a terrible thing that that they do. The amount of female guppies that I, that I personally sell compared to, to male guppies, I might sell 100 male guppies to, to 20 female guppies just because everybody wants the pretty fish. So, again, we hold those back, and that's been working in a lot of pet stores we've been working with. And, you know, well, they'll have customers come in, well, I want females, and that's the opportunity when they request it to educate the customer and let them know that, hey, they will harass and make sure you have a correct ratio and then if the pet store still wants them, we're happy to supply them, and they generally put them in a separate tank so they can just, you know, grab and go. Yeah, and I've got some people that, that will come into the stores and say, I'd like to breed some. My kids would like to breed them for a science fair project. And then that's when I always turn around and I go to the Florida guppies. I've got different suppliers, different places we can buy stuff from. The Florida guppies come in, and they're, they're very fertile, and they'll, and they'll have lots of babies, and, and that will make... Uh, Everybody that has a, a tank, much more interested in the tank when you're having little babies. I have people that come in that are so excited that they've got 30 little babies, and all they want to do next is buy another tank. Absolutely. So this is not necessarily strict to guppies. Platties, mollies, swordtails, they all have the uh, somewhat of the same issue. Guppies are the worst. If you have a lot of males to female, it'll stress them out to the point of death. Platties, mollies, and swordtails, not as bad, but they'll certainly stress them out. And, you know, two-to-one ratio, like you were saying before. But with the mo- uh, mollies, platties, and swordtails, the females have nice color. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I, I, when you have a black molly, a black molly female and male look pretty much identical. But as you get into the uh, guppies, the guppies are, the females are very plain. They're kind of like a peacock. I mean, when I say peacock, I'm talking about the bird where the male's very beautiful and, and the female's rather plain. Brown, if you will. But So the only difference on, because again, platies and mollies, you'll see that the, the same, you had the word for the penis, sir. I'm just going to call it the fish penis, but no, it's the... Gonopodium. Thank you. So 
you can identify any of these species, gonopodium or lack of gonopodium, but the swordtails um, have a unique characteristic. When they're full adults, the uh, males actually have a protruding sword out the bottom of their back fin. And also now new species have veil tail where they have like two spikes out of their back tail for Almost the males. Almost like a fork, yeah. So that's another way to uh, sex them out. And again, when you have these, uh, planties, mollies, and swordtails all do have colors. So it's much easier when they say, hey, you know, pick two to, two to one. They'll easily do it because they all have color. And so we don't have a problem stocking up tanks at pet stores. And we just make sure it's a higher number of females. So when they take a scoop and they have a kid that doesn't know what he's doing, odds are they're going to do it right. Right. And what's also interesting about the, uh, which is kind of nice about the female guppy, is that because she's just a, usually a kind of a plain gray, you might get a tail that has a little bit of yellow or orange on it. But w- from the side view, when you're looking at her, as she becomes more gravid, and gravid is when she's carrying babies, and as she becomes more gravid, her stomach gets a little black spot in the back, and it just gets darker and darker the closer that she gets to giving birth. So... On these particular ones, the easiest to breed because you can see that spot and see when they're going to uh, hold or when they're closer to actually giving birth is the guppy because, again, the body, you're normally a silver color. They're a little more see-through, so that black dot definitely protrudes, and you can see a nice fat female ready to go. So these have, what's the gestation period on a guppy? You know, it's 14 it, days? No, it's actually 30. But if the if water temperature does, again, um, have an effect on it if it's they're in hotter water the gestation is probably more like 24 to 25 days if uh, the water's cold let's say for some reason you have them in a room without a heater and your room's 70 degrees it's probably going to be 45 but i think the average is about 30. so when you're breeding these uh these fish they'll continually breed their entire life and even if you take the male out they'll they're capable of holding uh, the sperm for Two more batches at least. At least. I've had some up to four to six batches. They will uh, store the sperm. They only need to be hit once by the male. And if you're watching your guppies breed, he just kind of pulls up alongside of the female. His uh, tripod tripod goes to the left. Swings over like he's taking a left. And then he literally fans them. Yeah. It's kind of like a NASCAR move. Yeah, we're just trying to, you know, what, cut them off the road? (laughs) Trying to run them in the ditch. I'm not sure what they're doing. So after you see this uh, this fish, you can watch it grow, grow, grow bigger, and you'll get an idea of when they start uh, dropping their, their live young, and you can watch them. That's the fun thing for kids. Watch them give live birth. They'll go in a corner. They'll kind of stay still, and they'll hover, and they will actually give live tiny babies out. So when they're getting that of this certain size, you can prepare and put them into a couple different solutions. You can put a breeding basket in your aquarium, which is a, a, think of it as like a plastic crate that's covered by mosquito netting. You put the female in there, she has the babies. As soon as you see the babies, you take the babies out. It's not exactly my favorite solution. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I'm lazy. I take the female out, leave the babies in the net. That's what I normally do. What I recommend is, especially if you're doing this either the first time or just doing this casually, is you can go on Amazon and type in breeder box. And you'll see these fantastic, uh, there's a ton of different name brands on this. Um, What it is essentially, it's a plastic floater that sits in the top of your tank. It's independent, just free floating. And you put your female into it, and there's two grates. There's the top section where the female sits, and a lower section with a grate 
that the babies swim down on, um, into. So when your female's getting close and you think it's going to be in the next few days, you take your female, put her in the breeder box. When she gives the babies, they'll drop below, and then you can just take her out anytime, and they have more of a safe space because the females will eat a couple. Yeah. As the uh, Rob was explaining about the, I think they're called like breeder boxes. They have a, the bottom of it is like a V with a small little opening. And so the babies, when they come out, they're kind of like a normal human baby where they're kind of unresponsive. And they'll slide down the hole and then they'll kind of come to and shake it off. And then the babies will stay at the bottom and, and stay away from the females. So it works very well. Their natural, uh, um, how do we say, uh, activity when they're born is they, again, born, they come to, and they go hide in weeds. But yeah. they don't stay there. They get adventurous, which is the problem why you can't breed them in a tank. So say you have, let's make this up, a 20-gallon tank. You have four females and two males because you listened to us and decided that you're not going to have your fish harassed. And they decide to drop their babies. It's inevitable that they're going to drop the babies, and you're not going to catch every batch. So when they drop their babies, you'll see little ones floating around. Try to catch them when you can with your net. And yeah, absolutely. Put them, in a, put them in a breeding basket. But some people just say, well, just put plastic weeds in there to make sure that they have plenty of cover. Well, that's guaranteeing that oh, probably two-thirds of your stock is going to get eaten. Yeah, it, it's just I love baby fish. And the more I can save, the happier I am. That comes from a true fish breeder right there. Got to make sure he makes his quarter. Exactly. Well, I mean, I, I don't know if I ever told you about how I used to do it commercially, so you taught me this. This was the f- one of the funnest projects I've had is you s- needed guppies. And, again, it was one of these issues where you couldn't get them from Florida. They were having stocking issues. And, like, all right, let's grab some of our guppies that we have in stock and let's, let's do, a, do a breeder. I'm like, okay, and I just get out my breeding box and do it the old hard-fashioned way. Jim's like, no, no, this is, we got to do this by scale. So what he does is we go to a hardware store and get these giant Rubbermaid, like 150, 300-gallon. 300 300-gallons. They're they're basically a cattle trough is what they're purchased for. You can get them at your local Menards or hardware store. And we fill it up with water. We put an aerator and heater in it. And we uh, put these pop-up hampers that we get from Walmart. Or you can get them on Amazon as well. And these are just the fabric mesh pop-up hampers. They have little tiny holes. And what you do is you take, say, two of these hampers, and you put it in this 150-gallon cattle trough. You put all the adults in the hampers, probably a couple males that you want your select studs with a bunch of females, and you cover it. You feed them, they breed, and in the darkness, as they, you know, deliver their babies, the babies will swim out of the basket, and you just catch them along the sides. Now, a good 150-gallon tank, this just blew me away, you can easily get 100, 150 babies a day on full uh, working order. Yeah, when we were cranking them out, and, and we, spent, uh, we spent a lot of money. We went over to our local, I believe it was like a Home Depot-type place. We bought seven 300-gallon horse troughs. And the reason we bought seven is that's all we had room for. And they were about six foot long. And so by trial and error, we tried different things. We tried putting them, you know, um, trying to put a whole bunch of uh, plastic plants in there and then getting the babies out of there. And then by talking to a few people down in Florida and overseas, 
we came to the uh, idea that we're going to try these pop-up hampers, like Rob's just said. And I say they're probably about what, Rob's, 18 inches around? Uh, they they vary because pop-up hampers are done right. anywhere. Some are square, some are round. You just got to make sure that they're tall enough to go from the bottom of the trough to the top of the surface. Other than that, it doesn't matter. Yeah, because what we would do is, is we, I think we bought our, our pop-up hampers from the local Walmart, maybe. And I put a large rock on the bottom to hold it down to the bottom. Yeah, because it's, it's fabric. They float naturally. Yeah. So we, we put a large rock in the bottom. And this may sound a little crazy, but I'd throw in 10 males and 100 females. You don't have to worry about water quality because you've got 300 gallons of, of water. And you're still doing consistent water changes. And these bigger vats, you can do a trickle system. And we can get into that uh, in another podcast. But it it's essentially just a continuous water change. Yeah, and so we had this pop-up hamper. It stuck up about two inches higher than the top of the uh, of the tank, which was great because they will jump. And so we, it probably was out of the water maybe four or five inches, kept the fish in there, and we were kicking out all kinds of babies. And then I was talking to somebody down in Florida, and they said, well, do you cover your tank? And I go, I go. What do you mean for evaporation or for so they don't jump? He says no because he said even though you have all these babies swimming around in this tank, they still will go towards the parents, and if they go back into that big hamper, which they easily can, then they'll get eaten. So what we did, we went out and bought another seven, and these were five by eight sheets of um, styrofoam that we bought, and and these are normally used for like bathroom insulation. They're just literally pink sheets of styrofoam about they're, a half inch thick yeah they're not loose they're sealed so they're not going to shake them it's not like in actual insulation they're just foam yeah and 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 this foam that you do that rob's just described has a sheet of plastic on one side because they're made for vapor barrier for a bathroom they're very cheap you can just take a box cutter cut it to fit the entire surface of your uh, cattle trough yeah and we, we we would just so then we started covering them up and so here was my favorite this is my favorite breeding project i ever did I'd come over to my warehouse, and I would uh, lift the top of the first vat and start scooping babies off the, the surface of the water. And there would be days I, I would scoop three to 500 babies off of one of the seven tanks we had. So when I started doing this, you got me into this, and I really wanted to do uh, different mollies. I had a selection of various uh, various mollies. So, I, I mean, I bought probably 200 mollies. Right? Yeah. And I had a 300-gallon vat, so that allowed me for three baskets in the middle to comfortably fit all the fish. So, again, we started them out. We had lights. Again, they're not completely deprived of light all the time. But you start them out uh, having, uh, definitely having some light. They start breeding. Once you start seeing babies, cover it up. I started from getting 10 babies. The day I covered it up and did the very next 24-hour period, 80 babies that day. And when you open it up, you have these LED flashlights. You just kind of spotlight them. And that's really a lot of fun for my wife. She just loved the hell out of this. You spotlight them. You get a net. And then you have baby baskets floating in this trough. So you just put the babies in the basket. And you come and you know bring them up to growth uh, growth tanks. Yeah, it, it's the, the best thing ever. Just to, You're scooping babies. You think you've got them all. Then you see another 10 in this corner, another 20 in this corner. And it is so much fun grabbing all those little guys. So it, this works for most live bearers. Uh, the, again, the platies, mollies, swordtails, and guppies. You just got to make sure that the basket suits the um, 
size needs of the fish. Guppies are a lot smaller. You can easily use the 18-inch uh, baskets. Swordtails grow very big. You'd have to have either stick two baskets together or make sure you get a very big basket to give them enough comfortable space to, to live. You don't want to torture your fish. Yeah, just adjust your numbers per per basket. But we uh, we found that, that with the guppies and stuff, if we uh, gave them good water quality and stuff, them being in that basket, we had no problem with them still getting larger every day and still growing and being healthy and happy. It was a, it was a great experience. So with these uh, babies, again, now we have all these babies and you, you grow them up. So that's where, oh, man, I have all these babies. What am I going to do? I can't keep them in a baby basket. And then they go back to the pet store and buy another tank. So they have a grow-up tank and then... They either give them to their friends, sell them to a pet store for a low cost. Because, again, pet stores don't mind getting fresh uh, fresh product. Oh, I love getting stuff locally. So that, cool. It's it's great. So, again, you take them out. They're in the basket until they get at least controlled enough where they're, um, how do we say, easier for transport. So you can move them to another tank without risking death. Yeah, we'd like to get them up to a decent size, probably to like a quarter inch or more. Then you move them into a growth tank and... Um, Normally what you do is there's this, uh, there's two different types of foods. We always encourage using brine shrimp. Brine shrimp are excellent for, for young fish. But live bears have a uh, certain size to them that egg-bared fish don't, uh, don't necessarily have when they first arrive. So small, these small guppies will actually eat powdered crushed flake if you so choose. But what I recommend is there's a product called Hakari Baby Food. You can find it on Amazon, and it's literally powder to give to the baby guppies and they will absolutely eat it it's a little bit dirty you do have to do extra water changes when you uh, apply this at first but start on the powder then you can move to crush flake and you know again since jimmy and i are doing it in batches you had the greatest idea jim the, he took a parmesan shaker crushed up a pile of flakes and put it in a parmesan shaker and he just made sure to feed these guys whenever he walked by because they'd eat all the time and he's trying to grow them out so he'd just be sitting there what are you doing and it looks like he's peppering the damn tank yeah that that's that's a great uh observation barbs i probably didn't even realize you'd noticed that i would go out and buy parmesan shakers like the type you see at pizza hut you get like four of them for a buck at your dollar store yeah and that's the only place to get them is your dollar store because we were trying to order them online and they are not cheap at all yeah so shout out to the dollar store it's uh we use it everywhere in the hobby. Uh, there's all different types of caves and crap that we bought without the plastic ware. It's just a really great place to get that, you know, bottled containers, all that stuff. You know, and, and the other thing that works really well, too, is especially if you got, like, the baby fish, if you take a salt and pepper shaker, you can just take a drill and drill out those holes a little bit bigger or whatever size you're feeding. Let's say you're feeding pellets. It's just easier to put them in the um, salt and pepper shakers for me because well, I'm feeding a lot of tanks. So it's just much easier to have that where you can feed 20 tanks and, and not have to continue to put your fingers in the food. Because when you put your fingers in the food, that food absorbs the oil from your fingers, and that will not help your fish growth at all. So as a rule of thumb, omega-3 fish oils are great for humans. You know, omega-fat human oils like Jimmy's Greasy Fingers you know, with chicken KFC on it, you know, probably not the best thing unless you have a catfish. No, I mean, and that, and that's like, exactly, if you want to catch a catfish with your face. But, yeah, I, when I went down to Florida one time, and I was watching them feed, and, and they have plastic gloves on. And I'm thinking, why do you have plastic gloves on? It's just fish food, you know? And they said, no, you don't want your fish, you don't want your, your human oils on, on 
the flake because it will not help the fish at all. It actually uh, deters them from growing, I guess. Whatever helps. It's the tiny things that uh, that make the difference, right? Absolutely. The, the other thing I want to throw out, too, that I saw in Florida for the first time is when you go into your pet store, you'll see the, that they have a bunch of nets, and they'll have the nets uh, in a pail with some disinfectant so you don't spread disease from tank to tank to tank. When I went to Florida the first time, I was touring, I believe it was 5D, if I remember right, and I, I, I looked over there, and what they had is they had a Rubbermaid container that was probably about four foot long with about six inches of water. All their nets were laying in sideways, 100% submerged in this disinfectant. And I just said to him, I said, why do you do that? And he said, well, you have to realize that all these fish nets are made, they've got that twisted wire. And just because you're soaking the net in the solution, you still got six inches of twisted wire, which carries all kinds of cruddy stuff that, from the other tanks. And he says, what we found out, he says, now we don't, if we have a tank that comes down with ick, we're not transferring it anymore because you know, we have the nets 100% submerged. You're dunking it. Dunking it. But it's a 100% dunk, not a 75% dunk. So with my pet stores, I always encourage them. I always tell them that story. If you could just 100% submerge that net, it would help you out tremendously. So going into the more details. So we were, we covered breeding. Breeding's real simple with these guys. And there's nothing to encourage breeding. It's, it's not like another fish where you have to make sure you do a water change, make sure you have all this uh, set up for them, make sure that uh, you have a certain temperature, make sure you're feeding them this stuff. They'll just screw all the time. All day long. And if they're not screwing, they're sick, and you got to address the fish. Exactly. Period. You know, um, one of my salespeople, Julie, she says... Shout out. Shout out to Julie from Sigris Farms in Gibsonton, Florida. And what Julie always says is, you can breed those damn things in a toilet, quote, unquote, by Julie. Well, well, I feel like that's coming too uh, close to a real example she's had. Well, Julie grew up in uh, Cheapers. It wasn't Florida, but it was a neighboring state, and she grew up on a fish farm. And so she has been in the business her entire life. She's a wealth of information, and I love her to death. I just feel like... You offered her some money because you're already, when you went to Florida before, when you were tw in your 20s, you're like, you know what? I'm already $8,000 down. I want to see someone breeding in a toilet just to make fun of me. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's a lot of Florida stories we could talk about, but we'll save that for a later podcast. Fine. Fine. Make me. So, going into this, the habitats um, vary a little bit for guppies and the veil tail versions of all the other live bears. And again, veil tail have extra either points to the tail or just more tail overall. So you got to make sure that anytime you have a long finned fish, like a fancy guppy, that you have soft decorations or, or make sure that you do not have spined plants. Um, and to give you an example, if you get the plastic plants at Walmart. You'll see them looking kind of like a pine. That's kind of like an imitation hornwort. That is the absolute worst thing to do. They, they swim by, it gets caught, they tear, and they immediately start getting infections or fungus. So be very aware of the decor, decor you're getting. And if you're going to get a cave, because guppies do love caves, I, all these fish will use a cave, make sure that if uh, you're taking your hand and going over the whole surface, because even if it looks smooth, dipped, or gloss, or plastic, if there's a rough corner, Damn it, that fish is going to find it and we do a big old fat tear through its fin. Yeah, the, a, a tear fin will just, like Rob's just said, will turn into a fungus, into uh, a bleeding ulcer, 
all kinds of crazy stuff that can happen to these things. So you want to keep these fish as healthy as possible. The other thing you, you want to consider is their tank mates. And when I say tank mates, I mean the other fish that you carry in your community tank. Because we all know what tiger barbs do to big, pretty guppy tails. So when we go over, because there is professional made um, lists, and we can actually probably, we should publish one on our website for our, our listeners, come to think of it, is a compatibility fish list. And that's our goal. By next episode, I'm going to do my best to create a compatibility fish list. But these are published with a lot of research backing them. And there's essentially three, I use four different aggressions of fish. Live bears uh, more or less are peaceful for the, at least these four that we're talking about. There's other live bears, and we'll go over those uh, later. But these are peaceful fish. They're not going to attack other fish, and they're very, uh, they excel in community tanks. But again, like Jim said, we have the semi aggressive, which they may not be aggressive, but they'll pick just because it's part of their species. Barbs, not terribly aggressive, but when they see something flutter, their natural reaction is to try to pick at it. Because that's their instinct for hunting. They'll see something like uh, a scrap of food or whatever else, and they'll they'll grab a they'll grab a fin. So barbs, the more or less the entire family of barbs, are known fin pickers. So if you have that beta or you have that guppy, make sure you do not have a barb in your tank. Yeah, if you do have a barb in tank, a lot of people like the tiger barbs, as I do. I like tiger barbs. You almost need to keep, if, if you're going to try, if you got one tiger barb in your tank that you just love and he's picking on your other fish, try this. Get three more tiger barbs because generally then the four of them will chase each other around all day and irritate the crap out of each other and leave the guppies alone. Not always, but but it, it, I have had it work before. And, and do your homework on fish. Um, guppies, you can have just a couple and they will be completely happy. Uh, if you have a group, they're not going to particularly school. There'll be a gob of guppies in your tank swimming in all directions, but they're not. They can live or with or live without each other. They're completely happy with just a couple. Barbs, they're a schooling fish. They do better in groups of six or more. Yeah, absolutely. Also, the uh, the, the tiger barbs also are, are a wonderful thing to breed, and we'll talk about those also in another podcast because I was. One of my first trips to Florida, I got to go see how they professionally create all these tiger barbs that you see in these pet stores. It, be it your PetSmart, your Petco's, your Walmarts. They all kind of come from the same area. I've met the breeders. I see how they do it. People, they make it look simple, but they create thousands and thousands and thousands of tiger barbs per week. So again, when you're looking for tank mates, make sure you're trying to do the best you can with peaceful tank mates. And what are some of the, the common things you see? So I love picking at the Walmart tanks. So you go to the Walmart tanks and you see a diverse selection. Cichlids, not a good, not a good uh, choice because cichlids are in the aggressive. There's peaceful, semi-aggressive, aggressive, and then what I call extreme. Psycho. Psycho fish. I've had a lot of psycho fish. They're fun, like piranhas. They will, you know, bite off your finger if there's blood in the water. That's not uh, one of those docile things you see on uh, Discovery Channel. If they're in, they're eating, and they're not going to bite you out of "I'm going to eat your hand." They're going to bite you out of "You're getting too close, and I'm going to take a whap." Yeah, we uh, we sold a lot of piranhas back in the day, and a red-bellied piranha. Yeah, they're 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 aggressive. They have sharp teeth, and they love to chomp goldfish in half. But do this if you have a, a, a piranha. I mean, you've got friends who've had a piranha. You throw in six goldfish and everybody stands around waiting for them to eat them. And what happens? Nothing. 
it, it hides back behind there, waits till the light goes off, and then it eats all the goldfish. There's many different types of piranha, and the one that I had one time uh, that was given to me by somebody who just couldn't take it anymore, I was given a black piranha, which is very rare, very hard to find. I wish I still had him, but he passed away. Um, had him for years, but I wouldn't. If I dropped a net in his tank, there's no way that I put my hand in the tank. If I dropped a uh, net in a red-breasted piranha tank, I'd keep an eye out, but I'd reach in and grab it. So again, peaceful, semi-aggressive, and aggressive. You want to stay completely in the peaceful range when you're making a community tank. So some uh, the bad tank mates again. Any type of the what they call sharks. That's a semi-aggressive. And again, that's just because sharks grow huge. People shouldn't have sharks in a, in pet, uh, as a, in a pet store without warning that you need to have a minimum of a 125-gallon tank. They grow very big and surprisingly quickly. Um, other bad ones are Oscars. Again, they're part of the cichlid family. Very aggressive. Um, I'm trying to remember. Excellent uh, tank mates for any peaceful tank or some semi-aggressive tanks. Cory Doris. Cory Cats. Love them. Uh, their cleanup crew, um, Tetras, as long as they're the smaller docile Tetras, Neon Tetras, Glow Light Tetras, uh, even some Ember Tetras. There's a big long list of uh, Tetras. Most Tetras will go with them. Larger Tetras like Congo Tetras, they'll, they're semi-aggressive and they'll thin nip. So the peaceful varieties of Tetras. Uh, what's some more? Um, loaches. Um, as long as they're not the big yo-yo loaches, there are peaceful loaches to, to grab. A single beta will completely leave guppies, swordtails, mollies all alone. Bristledose plecos also are a good one. And the reason I like the bristledose pleco, Robs, is because they don't get big. And people don't realize how big a regular Florida pleco will get. So for the normal uh, Aquarius, when they get a pleco, they they think algae eater, which is not the correct name. It's the, the Walmart Placo is a Florida Placo. Those Placos get huge. They We've been to Florida where they wild raise these things out of uh, the rivers because they've gotten contaminated. They are as long from your shoulder to your fingertip. And I'm a six-foot-one uh, man. It's They're not small fish. What? Yeah, when, when we were down in Florida once upon a time, we were over at Norton Tampa Bay Fishery, which has now been purchased by Seacrest Farms. And they raise a lot of tiger barbs, a lot of plecos, a lot of different things. I asked Paul Norton at one time, I said, hey, Paul, we're touring the place, and they had probably about 75 ponds at the time. I said, Paul, I said, how big do the plecos really get? I mean, I've seen some 10, 12 inches. He goes, hold on, Jim, I'll take a, uh, a quick swim here and show you. So Paul took, and this man was in his 70s at the time, and he jumped in the pond, which is about five foot deep, and he started feeling around around the bank, and plecos breed in the mud banks. They, they dig a hole in the bank and, and do that. Paul reached in. I could see he was fighting with something. He lifted up a pleco, like Rob's just said, that was almost three foot long, and I bet you it weighed 10 to 12 pounds. And people always say, you know, well, the fish only grow to their, their size of their habitat. You know what? I'm not going to lie. That's true. They only will grow to the size of their habitat, but they stunt and their organs do not stop growing. So this fish that should have a nice, long, healthy life gets shortened and only it lives a year and a half because it wants to grow three feet and now it's stuck in a 10-gallon aquarium. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I like to go back to the bristledose plecos, which which probably what? How big do they get, Rob? Four inches. Four inches. That is, and that's a big bull when yeah, you see a four-inch That's pleco. a big male. And and they also, um, what I like about the bristlenose plecos especially is the males get 
beautiful whiskers on them. And I, I just came over here to Studio B here to, to Rob's house. And I stopped to say hello to his wife. And I looked at his, his tank upstairs. He's got a beautiful, beautiful, large male Brissonose Plico albino. It's white. His whole face has just got all kinds of whiskers coming out of it. And I said to Tanasa, I said, hey, I've got a girlfriend for him. And I'm going to bring him over. And she goes, yay. Because Rob's has got some plecos going over at his house. I breed. Jimmy has had a long history of not being able to uh, successfully breed a lot of plecos. And all I have to do is just, you know, play some Marvin Gaye. And it just happens in this household. Everybody loves some Marvin Gaye. Get sexy. Let's get it on. Yeah. So, again, tank mates, stay in the peaceful uh, um, genres. Don't be afraid of getting shrimp, but don't get what they call, you know, blue lobsters. They... Anything that they can technically grab, they'll eat. So if you have a slow-moving guppy, it'll just and you'll just see them disappear for some reason. Yeah, uh, the uh, my next breeding project, uh, and Rob and I have talked about this a little bit. I'm getting, I've been doing uh, a lot of shrimp at, at my place, and the next thing we're going to do now is is uh, my wife wants uh, the Mexican dwarf crayfish, which they now have, of course, in orange and blue. And the Mexican dwarf crayfish versus these like blue lobsters, yes, is size. You can get a Mexican dwarf crayfish. It looks like a little bit larger, traditional like ghost shrimp, versus the crayfish, which will actually get 10 inches. Yeah. And and uh, the little dwarf crayfish, over at my store where we, where we sell them, I actually like to keep them in the feeder guppy tank. We have 500 feeder guppies in, in the tank, and, of course, you, you lose one or two, and they, they, they lay on the bottom. And there's nothing more irritating than when a customer comes in and says, hey, you have a dead fish every pet store owner hates hearing that and you do your best i mean um the the stores that we supply they do their best they do take fish out they they monitor it but it's only human that they have other stuff to do in their store so if a fish dies if a customer sees it what are you going to do you just, oh i apologize scoop it out and do your best yeah and what i like about those you know because these are feeder guppies are tiny those little mexican dwarf crayfish three or four of them will come over and, and eat them up they make them disappear within probably 30 minutes yeah and, and uh, so i like rob's just said they're a great cleanup crew. They'll definitely uh, go through just a handful of those crayfish in a pet store. We'll definitely go through before they even have time to decompose and crap out your water. Yeah, and and that's the other thing, too. You know, we'll have a whole podcast on water quality one day. That's a whole other issue. But uh, some some of the best advice I can give to anybody, let's say you're having some trouble with your fish. You've got clamp fins. You've, got, you've ruled out this or that and the other thing and disease. If you take and do a 30% water change every couple of days... You'll see a big surprise in how much better the fish do. So back to uh, the tank uh, tank issues. So we talked about keeping it peaceful. But out of this list, platies and mollies both get a decent size. You know, they'll get three inches. They'll get a de- decent fish. But the sword tails, in good growing uh, patterns, they're larger than the other three in the list. So when you have sword tails, they'll, they will get big. They'll get, I've seen a single... Uh, male sword tail be and i'm not talking from you know mouth to very tip of its sword i'm talking from the base of its sword so um where the sword starts out of protruding at the tail probably a good seven inches yep the uh they're very hard to find i believe at one time somebody told me and, and don't hold me to this but i think it's like 10 out of every five thousand fish get that big and so like i have some suppliers that know i want the extra large Sword tails, I just got some here uh, about two weeks ago. The males came in, they're probably five inches, they're as thick as your thumb, 
and then add another three inches of, of sword on there. And uh, it was, they were cleaning out their system. And what I mean system is they have a large vat that holds all the water. And these fish had gotten in there somehow. And all the food and all the other uh, water from the tanks flow into this and flow out. And they had gotten trapped in there and had been eating. And nobody knows how long they've been in there. And they called and said, hey, I've got like 25 of these. I says, I want them all. And they came in. They're big. They're beautiful. I didn't pay uh, much more than a normal price of a sort deal, and I was able to retail them for for a really good amount. So, it's I like to put like a ratio on it. It's probably like forty percent where you're getting them from your breeder, and the rest is conditions. Food matters, especially if it's getting a lot of live food. And these guys are they're supposed to have a high protein diet, but they'll end up eating some algae in your tank, especially the mollies as well. So again, surroundings and condition. People have pawned these uh, sword tails to grow them absurd sizes. And these are just small, normally Walmart-based, yeah. <laughs> I keep using that example, sword tails, and just the environment will make them explode. So when you're doing these, I recommend a minimum of a 40-gallon tank for sword tails, 20 work for just a few of the mollies, platies, and guppies. One of my friends, uh, Kim, who lives over near Fargo, North Dakota, and just to give you an idea, uh, you know, we have basically about three or four months of summer up here. We don't have a long pond season whatsoever. He took and put a dozen sword tails into his pond. That's all he had in there was sword tails. He thought, you know, this is about two, three years ago. It's my experiment. This is what I'm going to try. He called me, I want to say like in October. Uh, he said, hey, can you come over and help me catch these fish? You can have them. I just want them out of here before it freezes. The water temperature was 59 degrees. We brought out the most biggest, beautiful sword tails. And I think he started out with maybe a dozen. We took out 200. I said, what'd you feed them? He goes, not a darn thing all summer. I said, they just ate mosquito larvae. They're definitely uh, pondable. And I mean, that's how Florida does it. You know, they have mud ponds for a lot of these fish. They may not do it with swords, but that's how they do a majority of other fish is they, they'll feed and just mud pond them. But but no, uh, as far as the, the those breeds, there are some um, varieties in these. So we, we mentioned, the, you know, um, layer, uh, layer tail, additional tails, like long flowing tails. Sword tails, they have a, a newer variety that's been bred called vampire sword tails. Again, it's another pet store term where someone's trying to sell them, but they're blood red. Their eyes are blood red. They have two um, tails sticking out the back, and every um, they almost have like a, a slime coating on them that just deepens the red color. They're very hard to find, but be careful when you're getting these types of stocks. I mention these because not only have extra tail, so be careful with the plants uh, that you choose and decorations, but be, they're very sensitive to water changes. So when you order these, get them in your pet store, you bring them home, they are much more sensitive to water quality uh, issues and are way more apt to get funguses across their uh, their backs. Yeah, the more that they... I think hybridization, is that how you say it, Rob? Well, I mean, that's how dogs are. Yeah, I mean, the more the more you sit there and, and try to hybridization these things, the, the more that they uh, have problems with. They're, they're, they're not as hardy. They're not as, uh, not as proven. They're, they have their own issues. And, I mean, dogs are the same way. You have a pug. It's got heart issues. It's got nasal cavity issues because its face is squished. It's a lot of issues with a lot of different dogs. Well, fish are the same way. That's why if you're getting Corydoras, Salt and pepper, bronze, or albino, that's generally a normal mix you get from, say, like a, a good farm in Florida. 
the albinos always have a worse time because they're just not simply as hardy as the other Corydoras. Yeah, and, and when you go to goldfish, and let's just talk about fantail goldfish, just the little ones that you see for a buck or two dollars at your local store. The first one you're going to have trouble with, if if your water quality is not where it needs to be, the first one that you're going to lose is going to be a black moor because genetically they're the weakest. And I've, I've learned that the hard way. So I have a tank of mixed, let's say, calico uh, red fantails and black moors. All of a sudden I start losing black moors. I go, I have a problem. And immediately I do water changes and add more salt and the problem stops. So going into more of the uh, the breeds, so swordtails, that's the one I've seen in the industry. Vampires are the ones that are beautiful, very difficult to keep. Mollies. Mollies have, there's a, different, there's a generic layer tail where they have two spikes in the back. They have sailfin mollies. All of these are hardy stock. They had this weird, I think it started, I don't know when it started. The first uh, time I saw it was probably 18 years ago, 15 years ago. Balloon mollies started coming out. I don't know. You probably have more history. You've been doing this longer. When did you start seeing balloon mollies? Balloon mollies have been around for at least 20, 25 years. And that's a, another one, too, where Amazonas Magazine just recently had articles about all these man-made fishes that they've, you know, they've done and, and done things to to create a new fish for the hobby because there's only so many fish out there. And so they try to create excitement by coming up with a new fish. So balloon, uh, balloon mollies, just to give it a body structure, and please Google this. You'll get great images of a balloon molly. You'll get any of the normal variety of molly, sailfin, lartail, or original, but essentially they just are what a third of the length of a normal molly and they're just they look like a giant ball like essentially you squish the molly and then pump them with air yeah it looks like they swallowed a marble yep and they just they're all some are actually perfectly circle yeah and they swabble when they swim and the biggest issue is you'll get in a batch say let's say you got 50 right you risk 20 right off the bat with swim bladder issues just over a short period of time yeah, the once you're shipping these fish in, and all these fish, I don't care where you're from, most of these fish have been on an airplane in the last two weeks, and that will screw a fish up. We've had we brought in some beautiful things over the past and stuff, but you will get pressure problems. These fish are put in a a, a plastic bag with oxygen. They're put in a box. They're put on an airplane somewhere. It might be Sri Lanka. It might be Hong Kong. It might be Malaysia. It goes in to Los Angeles or New York, goes to somebody's facility, it sits there for a day or two, gets rebagged, put back in, and put on another airplane and flown to your whatever's closest to you. Our, uh, we're closest to Minneapolis and Fargo, North Dakota. They come in. Now, these fish are come in, they're jet-legged, they're beat up, and uh, you've you got to be careful with them because they've already taken quite a beating getting here. So most of these fish then are immediately sold to pet stores. And so they've been handled four or five times in the last, say, week or 10 days. And so you can get a lot of bladder um, issues with them when they cannot breathe properly or the pressure in the airplane was not correct. And it happens quite often. So, again, be wary for those. And I'd like to start the conversation between the, the platy and I keep saying veritas. Veritas. So there's two different species, essentially, of platy. And this has been a debate for a lot of different people, especially for newer people that have been in the hobby. There's the southern platy fish and then the veratus platy. Yes. They are two species. They're very similar. They do have normally uh, distinct variations between them. Uh, but 
the ones that we see now, no matter where they're bred from, I don't care. I have not seen a full variatus that has been documented from many years ago. They're all hybridized. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, most people will try to tell you that a variatus is a cross between a swordtail and platy. And like Rob's just said, that the, the, the variatus was actually its own, what do you want to call it, um, species. But uh, there are a lot of variatus that are sold in pet stores that are very beautiful. The marigold is my favorite. And there again, the uh, keeping it is just like taking a regular guppy platy. You just want to keep it uh, well-fed and in and good conditions. And they are also live bearer that will produce you some very beautiful fish. And it's, again, extremely subtle differences that they used to be. But now everything's hybridized. It's just it's a platy. So... Y- we can order from farms. They'll literally say variatus and they'll say platy in different skews. You order them in, there's no way to tell. There isn't. I know you order variatus from time to time. I sell a lot of them, them actually, yeah. I just, I, I still have not been able to tell. See, I, They're I, all hybridized, man. To me, they it's just, done. they look like you take a, like, like you've taken a platy and you've stretched them a little bit. They have more of a body of a sword tail. And I've handled so many over the years and stuff. I can pick them out. But that just makes me feel like that's possibly a platy that's crossed with a swordtail because that happens. I don't. Happens a lot. That's what a lot of people claim. Um, I've asked the, the fish farms and stuff and never really gotten a straight answer. Um, also, you know, uh, quick FYI there, don't have platies and swordtails together. Pick one because they'll interbreed. They will. You know, if, if you want to uh, have colors in your in your tanks and, you, and you, let's say you want six different colors, carry all females or carry all, all males. And then uh, you'll stay solid with that color. Man, I thought that was going to be a debate. I no, like... I, I mean, I th- I think variatus are very cool, and I know you were kind of a but 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 about it. It was just bleh. okay. I feel the same way. Here's another uh, another example in the library family, right? I got a friend. Shout out to Mike Hayes. He is a killifish and um, uh, Ender's Library. No, Elders uh, Library. Elders Library. Yeah, right? Elders. Yeah. I've seen, and he spends, at least used to spend, a bunch of money trying to get a hold of these elders' live bearers. I'm looking at them. I'm like, what's going on? They look like a feeder guppy. They do. tiny. They have just that little touch of orange that barely any color like you get for a feeder guppy. And again, feeder guppies are just essentially culls from normal guppies that are inbred to hell. They're tiny size. They're meant for feeding. That's why they're there. So elders live bears are traditionally half the size of a guppy, and they are a complete separate species. But no matter the cool colors and patterns you see, in my mind, it's a feeder guppy. Why would you buy it? I don't, you know, I got a good friend, lives down by Wabasha, Minnesota, Adam. Shout out to Adam. And he has got a wild strain of endler guppies that he has had for years, and he swears by them. He loves them. He kisses them. He hugs them. He well, we're going to have to get Mike and Adam in the same room. Adam is going to be on this show. He doesn't know it yet, but Adam's going to be on this show. Uh, Adam's a wealth of information. Adam's uh, a previous pet store owner. Well, we're going to take him hostage then. And uh, he is uh, a breeder of a lot of different lizards, which I don't like lizards, but Adam loves his lizards. So uh, we'll get Adam on this show and talk about Endler Live Bears because... He has got some incredible stuff down there. He has had them for years and years and years, and it's his private stock, and he won't sell them to you. 
We'll do like a Jack Hanna thing. We'll have them on the show and we'll put, you know, animals on you that you don't want on you. Oh, yeah. Tarantulas and different things. That'd be fun you'll for just, everybody. You'll just, you know, Scream. start cussing. That'd uh, be great. I will be F-bombing the entire world. I didn't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to order tarantulas now. Uh, tarantulas don't scare me. Oh, what does? <laughs> Carnies, Fergus folks, smell like cabbage. You know, my ex-wife scares me a little bit. <laughs> not a shout out. <laughs> not a shout out. <laughs> No, we're not shouting out to her because she'll drive over here and kick my butt. She'll bring the paddle. Paddle, which usually you have to pay extra for. But So I don't think we missed much uh, as far as the uh, the four common main uh, live bears. They're, they're very easy just uh, to do. And if you're going to start, you know, the goldfish is an extremely hardy uh, critter, and that's always the stereotypical. Let's start here. Goldfish, however, grow very big. They need a 55-gallon aquarium. Even those 25 centers you see at stores, they get 11 inches and sometimes bigger. They're carp. They will ad- adapt to their uh, environment. And again, they'll stunt because goldfish live for years. But they're shit machines. Right. It's like having a Clydesdale in your tank. They're the, the carp fish species have no stomachs. It's just one giant intestine. So they eat and they can eat Every 15 minutes. And poop. Every, all day long. Every three minutes. 24 hours a day. Our local, uh, not our local DNR, but the local DNR down by Minneapolis just recently got a call. And I read the article several times. I think I sent it to you. And they had, somebody reported they found a part of a river down towards Minneapolis that was, let's say it was drying up. And anyway, so they found, I think it was close to like 2,000 goldfish in the river in this area that was shut off from fresh water on both ends because it, it had uh, been a dry time or something like that, a, a drought, and they showed pictures. And all these goldfish that were in there were at least six or seven inches. And there's, I want to say, hundreds of them. Oh, they're huge. I, I've explained last podcast that uh, Jimmy and I accept all donated fish, just like Ohio Fish Rescue. If there's a fish that you guys need in our area, certainly uh, reach out to us. Again, our, our number and contact info on the site. But people have donated, and the biggest, just common, basic goldfish I got was 11 and a half inches. And he said that he put it in his Oscar tank to feed other um, Oscars, just in a bag that he bought at Walmart to, oh, yeah, to feed. Yeah. They left this one alone, and it grew up and started picking on the Oscars. It and became he, he needed, their friend, yeah. He needed to make it go away. So he donated it and said, if not, I'm just going to flush it down the toilet. I'm like, oh, I'll take it. So this is a really weird deal. It wasn't pond season, and I had a giant fish that pet stores wouldn't take. So I just listed on Craigslist. I made, I went on uh, my computer, on Photoshop, and created a certificate of badassery for <laughs> Bubbles the Goldfish. Bubbles? Bubbles the Goldfish. Not a stripper. Not a stripper. That uh, I figured that would be the, the best title. I didn't want to call him Cinnamon the Goldfish. That's right. Number one, you'd spell it with a Y. Oh, Absolutely. Uh, so I made a certificate of badassery certifying Bubbles the Goldfish, and I also wrote up a whole story of how you know he, he came out of this hellish life, living with predators his whole life, and then grew up to beat their asses. And I put on there that I have to find a specific person worthy of purchasing Bubbles the Goldfish. Beg and me for this badass. I put on there that Bubbles the Goldfish and the framed certificate of badassery would go for no more and no less then $10.12 in strictly change. <laughs> a can? Why is, why $10.12? A 
a can of beef ravioli. Yeah. Chef Boyardee, not the generic no, crap either. No, not that crap. A 20-ounce bottle of Diet Mountain Dew. I am a diabetic. You are. And a framed picture of Betty White. <laughs> I had somebody message me within 20 minutes of the post saying, I'll get what you want. All right, all right let's meet up. And sure as shit, they delivered. I had a framed. It was like an 8 by 10 of Betty White in a framed photo. Oh, so that's where that came from in your bedroom. Yes. <laughs> that's exactly where that, that came from. That story just came full circle. Full circle. Full circle. That, hey, before I leave, can I borrow that tonight? I, <laughs> all yours. Oh, I need my, it back. I like Betty White, man. I need it back. She is she is badass, Betty White. So off topic. You know, you have, oh, we got off topic again. The three hottest women of all time. You know, you got uh, Scarlett Johansson. Yes. Right? Yes. That's number three. Okay. Margaret Robbie. Right. Okay. She's off the Suicide Squad. Yes. Okay. Right. I'm with you. And then number one is Betty White. Betty White. If okay, not safe for work for uh, notice. Spoiler here. Go on Google, type in Betty White nudes, and you'll find like some 1950s Playboy. No nudes. kidding. She shot for it, but I don't think they ever used them, and they actually came out in public. Mm. Wow. You know, Betty's got it going on. I'm taking your word on that, and I'm gonna go home and wash out my eyes with gasoline. <laughs> Gasoline. Gasoline. If you say so. You know, I, I heard it. Here's a strange thing that I just heard. It, it's totally off topic, but that's what oh, we Oh, this do. is so off topic. So so this week I lost, everybody that knows me knows I am a rock and roller. I love the 80s rock. Love it. I have met Eddie Money, who just passed away this week, 70 years old of, of, uh, of cancer. I've met Eddie Money. Condolences to the family. Man. Met Eddie Money so many times, nothing but a class act. Nothing but a class act. Always gave us an autograph, always gave us a picture. My brother and I ended up having drinks with him one night uh, after a show in a bar. And um, here's something I read that was weird to me. So these stars will put out, you know, rest in peace, Eddie Money. And you get things from like D. Snyder from Twisted Sister and stuff. The one that threw me off today was it said, I'm a... Um, Sorry to lose my best, one of my best friends, Eddie Money, and I worked for him back in the day as a backup singer. Do you know who that person was? Maureen McCormick. I was going to say Celine Dion. No, Maureen McCormick. Marsha from the Brady Bunch saying Oh, backup. I had no clue who that was oh, until my, you had to translate. I forgot that you're only nine years old, man. I did not know. Now that you said Marsha, I'm like, yeah, Mar I've seen that. Marsha, Marsha Brady. I was going to say, is she part of the McCormick Salt Shaker Company? That... If she was, she'd probably be worth chasing because maybe there's some money there. But <laughs> but uh, I've been watching the Brady Bunch thing on HGTV here recently about the Brady Bunch uh, house was bought by HGTV for a lot of money, and they turned it into look just like the Brady house that was on TV all those years. I'd like to point out that uh, Jim Colby is not retired. He just is a big fan of old television. I like Marsha Brady. Who doesn't like Marsha Brady? Well, that's clearly number four in the list now. You probably think Alice is hot, but you're probably wrong. <laughs> I'm not going to say who's Alice, but we're yeah, just going to. Yeah. Her picture's right next to uh, Betty White up in your bedroom. There you go. There we go. So oh, back, back on back track. On to, back on track. We got How dare lost. you? That was a tangent. That was, but I. Uh, that was fun. Yeah, it was fun. I enjoyed that. All right, so going uh, further than the list that we have is there's a few others that we see somewhere, uh, some details in the trade. One that we see that's not common necessarily for hobbyists that I think is a fun fish but has a lot of red flags, it's why it's not in the hobby, is the mosquito fish. The mosquito fish is 
the females look like a extra large female. That's just beautiful, big female. They have generally dark tails, so they look like they have some color. And they're maybe 30% bigger than the big females we can get with a guppy. The males are quite small, and they're black, and they don't have the normal same body structure like a guppy, but they're beautiful as well. And what they do is these are super, super hardy fish that are live bears, and they multiply so fast. What they do with them is they're called a mosquito fish because they put them in mosquito ponds down south that they can't drain. So when Hurricane Katrina hit Saint uh, uh, New Orleans, they had all of these pools and water everywhere that didn't, didn't dissipate, and they, they couldn't afford to go empty or take care of these pools or have like public city works with all this destruction go take out of it. So to prevent the mosquito population from exploding after the hurricane, they went in all these public pools and they take a cup and they just dump a handful of mosquito fish in each, each pool. They breed on their own. They'd eat all the mosquito larvae, and they explode. So it's used to control the mosquito population, but they have really haven't done the in the actual pet trade. You'll see them in ponds. People put them in their koi ponds to keep the larvae down in high mosquito areas, and you can purchase them from some pond dealers, but they're not used because they're so crazy aggressive. If you have one female, she will rip apart every uh, everything in your tank. I've even seen them hit cichlids. Yeah. They are incredible little fish, and like you said, they're hard to find. I have gotten them for customers. The only place I've ever found them was from a goldfish breeder uh, down south. Yep, pond dealers are the ones that have them, and they have them on for those city public works in Louisiana's and down south. And uh, I got one. The way I discovered them is I was younger, much younger, went to a local pet store. I saw, wow, that's a crazy-sized female. That is a beautiful female. I need it. I purchased it, brought it home. I had a 55-gallon aquarium. That fish destroyed everything. <laughs> it killed my Placo that was 8 inches. It ripped everything to shreds. They have teeth, like full-on teeth to catch Really? really? I didn't. It's, they're insane. And I brought this thing back to my pets, uh, the pet store, and I'm like, what the hell am I supposed to do? And he looked at it, and I'm like, I, it's a guppy, man. I'm like, he had it all in a tank alone with just some feeders, so it's probably hitting the feeders, but I put it in his tank, and as we put it back in his tank, it started hitting his barbs. Really? In front of us. It was insanity. It didn't even alchemate it, just start hitting things. Wow, that's a, that's an aggressive fish. The um... So he did his homework, and he found out that someone had the same issue and dropped it off, so we don't know where, the, where it where came, it came from. from. Right. Yeah, it's amazing. The uh, But I have ordered them in for, uh, I did have somebody who had uh, uh, an issue uh, that they wanted some mosquito fish, they uh, they bought some from me, and when they came in, they were, they were very very small, and so I never had any dealings with them. I mean, I I I got rid of them pretty quickly and stuff, and and I, I saw them later on and stuff, and asked him how it worked. He said that was fine, and that's all he really said. So he was putting them in his, uh, I believe, like a cattle trough or something that he had, you know, where of course you keep the bugs down, keep the bugs down. But uh, a little part of history, I don't know if you knew this, but when they built the Panama Canal back in whenever, a long time ago. Teddy Roosevelt's era. Yes, and they used, that's where, it was, they were used a lot. It was out there in the, uh, when they were building the Panama Canal back in the, what was it, 50s or 60s or I don't know. 40s, I just remember 60s. it was Teddy Roosevelt because I did some schoolwork for it. Really? Yeah. So you paid attention for once. I, a little bit, apparently. I can't enough to remember the year. But yeah, I, I remember watching... Uh, some documentary on it and stuff, and they're putting mosquito fish in these ditches to try to control the mosquitoes because there was a lot of malaria at that time. 
that would definitely keep populations down. But now we just spray with Roundup and kill everything. So again, they're used in certain controlled areas, but they're also highly invasive. They're small enough where a lot of local species can eat them, but if there's it's a pond, it'll hit frogs. It'll you know, Salamander. it won't kill frogs, but it'll certainly hit tadpoles and shit. Yeah, yeah, tadpoles is another crazy thing that we get in with goldfish once in a while, and, and that is kind of fun too to watch. We do a podcast on tadpoles. Next and then time. he eats the legs like his French ass does. I, I am not French. Ho, ho. <laughs> Let me get that croissant. Exactly. All right, so going beyond skeeto fish, and I'll only do two more here, the f- ones that I love. The, oh, these no, are the oddballs. No, I love oddballs. Not these. Oh, man. I'm all about oddballs. Do we See, need to talk about these, really? We do. You're a bread and butter guy, right? You're, you're coming from fish breeding. You wholesale. Me, I love the weird shit. You like the freaks. If it was just discovered in science, I need it. Right? Exactly. I need I need to learn more about it. I need to publish anything I can find. And for a hobbyist standpoint, I need to get it in my hands. So the ones that you don't see in pet stores are wrestling half beaks, and they're so fun. Very seldom do you see them. So there's a whole different subspecies of wrestling half beaks, but the ones that we get are essentially they're they're white wrestling half beaks, and they're they're real small. They they only grow about two inches, and literally they look like tiny pike. Just itty bitty tiny baby pike, like a little needle nose gar kind of. And the bottom jaw is stuck out like a needle, and it's fifty percent longer than the top jaw. So what you'll see is these are live bears again. They'll have the fish penis, the gonopodium. Thank you, and Wang Chung. The Wang Chung, and again, same issue. You want two, uh, one to one male to two females, but the males in a mating display will interlock their beaks and wrestle back and forth. And they do not harm each other in this process. Some bigger breeds do, but these small ones, they'll grasp on each other and wriggle back and forth the fight, and whoever loses gets kicked out, and the male gets to breed with the females. Wow. That's... It's it's a really fun process to watch these things. The only problem with these and why they're not so popular, because they're very pretty. They're, they're white with little cold specks on their tail. They're very pretty, small, tiny fish, and they don't pick on a lot of other. They're very peaceful fish. They're just wrestling with themselves, is they're exclusively the top column of your tank. They're going to hunt back and forth. They're waiting for um, flies or bugs to drop or larvae on the surface. So they'll hunt all day up top. And the moment you put flakes up or the moment that some guppy breeds, they'll hunt the little babies. They love the little stuff, yes. I've had uh, uh, one of my friends, again, let's shout out to Adam. Adam used to always want the gold wrestling half-beaks. And what he did with them is beyond me, but we'll ask him when we have them on the show. And, you know, they're basically inexpensive. You can certainly go to your local pet store, ask for these fish. They're a fantastic fish for start, uh, starter people. But remember, it's just the top. So add them to your community tank if it's a peaceful tank. And they're a fantastic uh, fish to add to the top column of your, your water. And there's really not anything past care. They, they follow the care of the other traditional live bears. You just got to know not to have too many males because they're going to wrestle. And it's going to be fun to watch them. So, so Rob's, I, I am not up on my wrestling half beak information. How many babies do they have at a crack? I've had because I'm only going from my experience. And again, these are just the what we call the gold or white wrestling half beaks. They're very small. I've had ten in a batch. They're they're lower batches. I've had up to twenty. Really? What's what? How big are they? Are they the size of a baby guppy or exactly the same size as a baby guppy? And I treated them the same way as a baby guppy. They stayed in the middle column until they got just a little bit bigger and started showing color. And whoop! Right up to the top column they went, but they hid just like a good baby guppy always uh, tries to. So how long did it take it to get them up to size? I mean, do they grow fast or do they, they grow slow? I'm not going to lie to you. 
people loved them so much when they saw them, I sold them all when they were young. Oh, so you just abandoned them like a bad father. People offered me cash. I can't look at those things and not say, like, no, cash is beautiful, innocent bills that need to be in my wallet. That's right. And they all fold up so nicely so in your wallet. So nicely. nicely. And they the smell like a cheap dinner at Denny's. <laughs> you know what? The last time I went there, it wasn't cheap. <laughs> it, was, it cost me. I took my son out. Uh, who was in his 20s, and we had breakfast at Denny's. Well, he wanted to go to IHOP, but you were being a dick. Yeah, a dick, yes. 36 bucks for breakfast. Oh, 36 bucks. What, four and a half dollars for your orange juice? You are in the wrong business, sir. I know. I'm selling guppies for a nickel. What's my problem? Right. So the last one I want to go over, and this was... Is again, this the freaky one? This is the freaky one. Oh, I don't want to talk. I did this, this out of my research. Me. It scared the shit out of you big time. You, I don't you like wouldn't these. even grab the bag when it I came in. I don't like these damn things. So I did a bunch of research, and I told you guys in the last podcast that I got my into my hobby from my grandmother. My grandmother gave me all her notes in a bunch of really old aquarium books that she just hand wrote the notes on every species in. And I'll, I'll probably bring the book to the podcast here soon if I can get the name of it. It's I cherish the book. What was your grandmother's name? Arlene Lewis. Arlene. Right. And she wrote... Does she pose for Playboy like Betty White? I I don't want to know. Okay. I don't want to know. Okay, because if you want to buy some naked pictures of your grandma, let me know. Thanks, Jimmy. I'm glad you're... I was unprepared for that. <laughs> Blindsided. Blindsided. So, okay, back back to Arlene. Okay. Anyways, they, they had this crazy fish, and all she wrote on it was, do not get, and underlined it three times in big bold. She, like, took... You could see it's all in pencil. So she took the pencil and like rewrote over the words "do not get." So, so what did that mean to you when it says "do not get"? What did you think to yourself? That's a challenge. That's, That's where right. I could beat Grandma. <laughs> Damn it, my Grandma's good at this shit. She's breeding betas and all kinds of crazy crap. Don't, don't be beating your grandmother. Pretty soon we've I got need... social services at oh, our no. door. It's a competition. The oh, moment, competition. Okay. The moment the student can pass the teacher. Yeah, I thought you were sucker punching that. her in the throat or something. No, so I kept this in mind. I've done a ton of research, and I, I couldn't find any of these things. Yeah, and then where'd you find some? Later down the road, I met this guy named Jim. Stud? And Jim opened my world to the wholesale propaganda that is the fish market, and <gasps> guess what came up on one of the sales? What's that? From Florida. Florida? Anableps anableps, also known as the four eyes. Yes, this is going to be a very hard one to Google. You can Google four eyes. You're going to get crazy results. But anableps is spelled A-N-A-B-L-I-P-S. Anableps, anableps is a very rare in the, in the trade live bear that grows a foot long. And it's exclusively, it's like a, I call it a fish frog. They are a cork that stays at the top of the water. And they're shaped like a, a normal, I don't know, silver long-bodied fish but their head turns up like a dolphin and they have these really giant google eyes on top of their head and they have two pupils per eye so one looks down in the water and the other looks above the water like it's a frog it is the craziest cutest most adorable thing you have ever seen in your life they, they freak me out i don't like them so what they do is they they require a very niche um tank setup if you will it's not even a tank you're supposed to have these things in a very shoebox interesting setup to keep these things in because again they're a foot long but they dive down like a dolphin and they splash and play they play all day long and they grab food as they're playing 
it's the most adorable shit. When you walk in the room, they'll quick turn over to you, and all you'll see is a bunch of eyeballs sticking above the water looking at you. Kind of like bats at, and Scooby-Doo in the cave. It is the cutest shit ever. That, that's not cool. That scares the crap out of me. So I don't care what they cost. I had to have them. I bought a, I bought a bunch of in. I got six of them. They weren't cheap either. They, they were not cheap, not cheap, but I didn't care. I needed at least six to try my experiment. So I got these things in, and I put them in a kiddie pool. The reason I put them in a kiddie pool is they only exclusively live on the top of the water. So who cares what how the depth? As long as they have, say, surface I don't know, area. four inches of water, they're happy. They just need surface area. So I got six of these guys in there, and they're like a foot long, and they're playing all day. They dip, dive, and just they're the <laughs> funnest damn thing. Dip, dive, and dodge. Dip, dive, and dodge. They're like little, I don't know, freshwater dolphins. And if it, But they they're not cute. If they have an issue or they're scared, they'll go hide underneath the water in the corner. And the moment that you that they see that it's disappeared or they feel comfortable, they'll pop back up and, oh, where'd he go? It's like a mongoose in the water. It's the cutest <laughs> shit ever. <laughs> you, not a lot of people you're have... You're killing me here, Schmalz. Not a lot of people have these, so there's not a lot of information out there. So I will give you my experience that I've learned. They love pellets. And you'll have to train them on whatever food because wherever they got them, who knows what the hell they, they fed them. Because trust me... The, the people that have these, unless you're a farmer, and trust me, these are not really gotten in farms unless you're in South America, no one has a clue. They just take them. Hopefully someone buys them and they don't have to get a batch in. So no Florida people keep these on hand. They're, they're bred in South America where they're, where they're originally caught. So you grab them on pellets because pellets are nice. They're visible and they float on top of the water and they will grab them and bring them down and pop up with them and play with the pellets cutest shit ever so i use pellets i'm assuming you can use live food but again everything has to be surface oriented if it's not flopping on the surface they don't give a shit about it don't use sinking you can use flake but they have to see it pellets are the thing to go you think they'd hit on live crickets live crickets yes in fact i had some crickets that i was uh selling to people that had lizards i threw them in there gone anything surface that'll wiggle on top they'll they'll hit so, so did you go skinny dipping in the pool? I'm just want to know if they hit at everything at the on the. Top. I didn't because there wasn't enough room. I'm a big dude. I know you're a big dude. I, I mean, can see you right here. That and who knows? They might bite some. You know. Right. Yeah. Whatever you called the fish penis before. The gonopodium. So look these guys up. Anableps, anableps. But the breeding on these were really interesting. They're big, but they only have six pups. That's how I like to put these things. They're not real fish. They. They stay by mom and dad. It's real weird, and they, they, they're born huge. Don't, don't they also, like stingrays, don't they call those pups also? Yeah, but that's because it's coming from a shark species. This is actually a fish species. No way. Right. I just call them pups because it's a completely weird So this is something behavior. you made up. It's something I made up. Okay. But the only common, like, only the breed, they only do up to, like, six. But their penis, uh, you called... The gonopodium. Right, is huge. huge. It's like a... Take your index finger... That's it. So this is the Johnny Holmes. It's not fish. as big. It's as long as the index finger underneath. It's not as big as your finger around. But they stick up above, and females and males have their genitalia positioned either to the left or to the right. And this is very crucial when you're trying to pick out anableps or because you have to order so many, just so you have a hope of breeding them. Really? If you have a male with its penis to the right, you have to have a female with its junk to the left. Otherwise, they can't breed. Now you're just making stuff up. I'm not making you're this making up. You're making this up. You can look it up. This shit's on Wikipedia. So this is like NASCAR. 
You, you pass on the left, and you're hoping to... Right, they're hoping the gas can's there on the right. <laughs> you are out of your freaking mind. Same deal. So if you have a female with a stuff on the right, you have to have a male with this thing on the left. That's why I got six, and that's how I got them to breed. Because I was lucky enough to have one male compatible with two females. Okay, I, I've just got a quick question here. How does one check if one's got a podium hangs left or right? Just curious. So when you have when you see the fish, you can actually see it positioned to the body, where it's either to the left or to the right. It's kind of like a, I don't know how to explain it, a kickstand on a bicycle. So if you if you view them from the top, it's probably the easiest way. No, you have to view them from a, a tank or the bag, and you'll see it kind of positioned to the left or right. And you can or buy scuba gear. <laughs> scuba gear. You have to have them in a fish tank to do them, or you take them out in a net and you, you can see it in a net. So damn weird, Robs. It's so fun. If you can find a kiddie pool and, and filter it right, have heat, it's it's a very complex way of taking care of fish. They just need surface area. My favorite fish of all time. Oh my god, that was that was incredible and creepy as well. It just it's I, it's just big giant googly eyes looking at you. You can't help but go, oh my god, it's so cute. You you need to get a life nerd. I tell you. So not for. The, uh, I don't know. I, I I wouldn't say advanced, but definitely an intermediate fish. Do not start with an anableps. Number one, good luck finding them. It took me years. You know, I, your birthday just went by here recently, and I wish I'd have known how much you were in love with this googly-eyed fish. I love my favorite fish. Yeah. I would have bought you that in an arowana and a big red-tailed catfish, and we could fed them all to the big red-tailed catfish like you normally do. Oh, come on now. <laughs> that hit low. That was a long story. You could talk about my grandma naked, but don't talk about my arowana getting eaten. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Where do we go from here? We must be wrapping this up pretty soon. That that, that would be the, the list. There are other live bears out there, but again, it's a very niche species, and it's just really nice that we can have colorful fish out there that people can start with. And it's it's a great if you want to try breeding, this is the fish to do it with. You get the uh, under a concept of how intricate the small ones are, how to transport them, temperature needs. It just gives you a more comfortable, easy feel to start breeding on your own. You know, we, we know so many advanced hobbyists, so many between Robs and I, we know so many people that that are into fish so deep. But here's a, here's here's a secret: they all keep tanks of live bears for their children. Because here's what they want to do. They want to keep their children involved. They want them to uh, have their own tanks. Uh, my friend Sean lives down south. He has got multiple tanks for his children. And they raise all kinds of different things the, the kids do. And he's really into all kinds of other different uh, fish. But like he said, he said, you know, I want my kids to come down take care of their own tanks. And then they'll g gain a love for this other stuff that's more advanced. It's not hard. There's great ways, and we'll we'll do uh, low tech tank care. We'll you know do information of uh, tanks on a budget. You know how we can do ghetto ass tanks. Oh, I love there those. is so much content that we need to do on this. We just got to dive in one episode at a time, Jim. Deep deep dives. So again, what we want you to do is we're going to be setting up a Facebook page. We're going to set up some Twitter. We're going to get Jimmy over here tweeting stuff all week long. <laughs> going to pop out his ass and he's going to like you know what I'm going to get a pull on this. What? What's a tweet? Uh, we'll get there. You know, first we you, you asked what's a podcast, and now we're here. I know, I know. I, I when you've promised me nachos and beer, I'm going like, well, okay, I'm in. <laughs> You're in. That's right. If Joe Rogan can do DMT and whiskey, I mean, we can at least do nachos and beer. That's right. 
Absolutely. But the point is, go to our website, aquariumguyspodcast.com. Share this with your friends, subscribe, and we want to know. You can send us an email. We have our contact information at the bottom of the site. Or leave us a voicemail with our telephone number, and we'll answer questions on the site. But we want to know, what do you want to hear about? We will. We know extensive people throughout the hobby. What do you need to know about in the hobby? What podcast should we deep dive? Absolutely. If, if you love this podcast, let your friends know. If you think it sucks, keep it to yourself. Yeah, we, don't, we don't care about it. Oh, we don't? No. Oh, yeah, we're like ducks. It just rolls off our backs. You know, you're making fun of Rob's grandma being naked. That was inappropriate. I just don't. We don't want to hear it. I've got pictures. Oh, God. All right, guys. Well, that concludes our podcast. Thanks so much. And just a quick reminder for Ohio Fish Rescue. Thanks to good, kind people out of their heart taking in fish so they don't have to go into our lakes and streams or worse just killed for no reason yeah please uh take the time send them your love send them a little little money whatever you can do but they're doing the right thing they're great guys and we love them buy a t-shirt all right podcast out podcast out